Hello, I'm your host, Anita Grantham. Welcome to the second episode of HR Unplugged. Today, we'll be talking about ways HR can build resilience in uncertain times. Because HR is often the place employees look for answers, we want to dive into where HR leaders can go for support. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody. We're so grateful to be back with you on episode two. I'm Anita Grantham, and I'm passionate about creating great places to work because I feel like life is too short to not work in places that are great. And we as HR leaders have the opportunity to be a part of that creation. And I'm excited to put all my energy into doing that with each of you on these sessions. And with that, uh, let's talk about what we're doing today. So um, thank you for your registration. In your registration, you kind of gave us a lot about this topic. You shared that you're struggling as HR professionals. In fact, in some of the research we've seen, it looks like 87% of HR professionals say they're facing personal challenges. And we definitely got that sentiment from each of you in your registration as we were building this episode. So we feel like we're taking care of everybody else. We're wondering if there's anyone that's out there that will take care of us. So know that we're here on these different webinars to take care of each other, and we'll talk about that. There's a lot of pressure to make decisions. We are talking about in our prep call, the pendulum swing from we're seeing higher, higher, higher to pause hiring to layoffs. And we're seeing that all through our LinkedIn feeds, seeing lots of nods on that. And, and so what we want you to take away from our time together is building a community where people will take care of each other, building a safe place where you can ask all the hard questions that you may feel you cannot ask anywhere else. We want you to build relationships together so that you can expand your own network and be able to have other people there for you that you can go ask questions of. And with that, we'll get started kind of with our own questions. So feel free to put your answers into the chat. And we're curious if you're one of that 87% that's facing challenges right now, what is your biggest challenge, personal or professional, that's kind of put you into a state of neutral? right? Where you don't feel like you're going forward. Maybe you feel like you're moving in molasses, but what are those things that are, are causing you to feel constrained? Don't everyone uh, spill your, spill your heart to us at once, but <laughs> um, I can say, you know, I moved recently. I've had some family changes and man, does that show up in my work life too? Um, I'm lucky that where I work, I have such great support and great leaders that I feel able to be transparent and vulnerable with but it still shows up in my ability to really, you know, engage in the way that I want to on a daily basis and meet my personal goals at work. So I know it can be personal. It can be in the office. Um, but yeah, what's causing your burnout? I'm curious to Cara, maybe, maybe, maybe people on the call feel that it's an inaccurate representation. Do you believe that the 87% is real? Yeah. Are you not burned out? If you're not burned out, tell us, tell us how. Yeah. Oh my gosh, please share. I'm sure somebody needs to know. <laughs> yeah. Ch challenge the data for sure. Okay. Well, someone just put something in the chat so I know it's working then. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Stacy wants answer. Uh, your team wants answers about how hiring is going to trend out. Yeah. And you don't have answers. Yeah. Just your gut. Oh yeah. The anxiety and, and taking that on. And if you're in HR, you're probably empathetic. So <laughs> you might be taking on some of that anxiety um, constantly. Yeah. Becca, you're feeling better. You're not as burned out um, since you switched 
jobs. So yeah, change is as good as a rest sometimes. So good for you. I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, but unfortunately for your organization, they must've lost somebody really valuable because you were, you weren't able to feel resilient in the, in where you were. Evan, not having enough resources on my team, running lean as a company is tough, um, juggling having two kids at home. Yeah. And sicknesses that never seem to end. We, we all just keep yeah, getting new, new germs, right? New versions of that. So yeah. And another one to running lean. Um, so some of your organizations are asking you to be really tighten your belt and be really careful about hiring. It sounds like, um, which is maybe a little different than what we've heard recently. Um, well, I guess most recently we've been hearing that pendulum swing again. Um, Mimi, you're stressed out, just started getting a new job and about to get divorced. I feel you, Mimi. I'm in that too. Se separations are hard. I, uh, I send you all the support and care. I'm glad you're here with us. Yeah. Uh, Anita, do you want to uh, talk to any of these things that we're getting? Isabel and Patty have some additional, um, just like not wanting to return to the office, having to, I'm sure your teams too, if you're somewhere that they're asking for everyone to come into the office, you're dealing with some um, employees who probably are having a hard time with that, or even having a hard time being remote, um, if that's what you're sticking with. Yeah, I'm looking for some themes here. Thanks for everybody to jump in. So it looks like we can talk about hiring a little bit. We can talk about, I'm curious, Becca, you say that you're not as burned out as you were, were before. What are you doing to ensure that you don't get burned out in this next job? And the lean piece is always, is always critical. So let's, let's start with the lean because we always have more demand than we seem to have supply. You know, I know even in times of big budgets, it seems like the HR budget still runs lean. And I don't know about all of you, but I feel like the expectation is a lot greater these days, yet the budgets have stayed really intact. I've talked with people, big businesses and small business, and that seems to be really, really consistent. And so one of the tricks that I think you could employ right away that I'm working on our, with our team here, I'm calling it rigorous relentless prioritization. And it's actually a competency that it's. Uh, I really want all of us to practice. We as people leaders, especially in HR, have a tendency we want to say yes to everything and we want to be people pleasers. And I really wanted you to challenge yourself to not be people pleasers and to focus on the things that matter most to making the business successful. Because the reason why you know we're kind of curious too about this hiring piece is that teams that are hiring are usually happier right? The business is going well. You're bringing people into the business. And now with this new potential slowdown or even companies getting ready to do layoffs, it changes the energy around the work that we do a lot. And so relentless prioritization is critical. And then also, how do you make sure you keep your energy high and positive? Happy HR teams are happy companies. We talked about this a little bit last time. And so that's why we wanted to bring up this topic is for how are you doing and how are you keeping yourself whole and happy to feed the energy of the never ending demands. I always share with my team, I said, don't worry about it. You can do it. It'll be there tomorrow for you. It's not going away. The, the challenges and the demands will always be there tomorrow. So do the best you can. And that's why prioritization is key. And we can go in and make the biggest impact on the things that we know matter most. Oftentimes we're just in that flywheel of working hard and not really working smart to Cara. What do you think about that? We've got a great response from Becca too about how um, how she's managing her new position and just how it's different in general. She's had, you know, 18 spots at one time. The previous uh, 
place where that was hiring in a pretty rapid way, it looks like, and then to trying to fill three to four spots at a time. So, and reduced hours and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, so that's great. Thanks. And I, you know, I think that, um, you, you're right on them about ruthless prioritization. It's so hard and the people pleasing, and we have to be um, clear about what our, um, our intentions are and the goals are so that we can show up and communicate. Um, I think thoughtfully and compassionately when we can't be people pleasing. Yeah. That's a strong competency to build that I personally know I is somewhere I will continue to grow forever. And I do want to ask you what you think the current state of HR professionals um, is with what are the top concerns that we are seeing with um, you leading this HR community? What is it that you, that you're anticipating I think a lot of it is captured here, Takara, like we're seeing struggling uh, personas within our employee base that are struggling with anxiety and depression, as Isabel highlights here. We're seeing um, there's, I don't believe in balance. We can talk about that. No work-life balance, especially with this remote work continuing to go on now that, you know, COVID is kind of put into the background, gas prices are into the forefront. So we still have people wanting to stay at home or not being able to nail this hybrid remote culture. And then the other piece, I think, too, is just this back and forth of we're hiring, we're not hiring, we're pausing, we're we're growing. And I love this, Patty puts here, a work-life blur. And then it all ties up into to this prioritization point of if we're not super clear on what we're delivering and all of these things keep coming in, I love voicing, hey, this is what I'm focused on. If you'd like me to focus on something else, I will. And this is the thing that moves to the back burner. Do we all agree that that's how we want it to go? So the action out of prioritization is to call your top three and feel free to say, this is what I'm not going to do. And it really pushes the conversation forward in a way that you can make a meaningful difference if you and the teams feel you need to push something else to the top of to the top of it. And a lot of you have started new jobs. And I know that's stressful too. You're meeting new people. It's hard to start a new job remote. That is stress in itself. And I don't think as um as an organization, as an HR organization, we've really adapted onboarding in a way that is is uh, engaging and connected to remote new team members. There's an art to that that I'm still curious about about figuring out. So those are the things I see that people are really struggling. You know, 40% of HR professionals say that they've thought about leaving their current role because of burnout. And that's another big reason why I wanted to have this topic, because what are you running from and what are you running to? And if you haven't identified what's causing that burnout, my guess is you're going to recreate it in the next job. And I'm seeing this is like my number one question I'm asking candidates right now is why do you want to come to Bamboo? Why do you want to leave where you are? Because I can't tell you that the problems are going to be necessarily different. So I think if we can maybe focus on that, that would that would be useful in, in our own selves. Where are we struggling with that as HR professionals when we take that recruiting call? Yeah, I think that's also important to remember about your relationships at home too, right? In the outside of the work and your work-life blur. Um, what are you running from? What are you running to? Are you just you know, going into a new environment without um, bringing something new to the table. Uh, so taking that one home for, for myself as well. 
that's, yeah, that's a great question. And I did see that in a lot of the comments here, you know, um, you know, what is it that you're doing about the burnout? And I hear, you know, just changed environment, changed industry, changed hours. Um, but you know, that that's only going to hold that at bay for so long. Um, Evan's, Evan's got some good comments here, really understanding. Yeah. Solidifying what you, what you want in a company, what you don't. And like, what, what is the relationship you want to have with your employer? Cause it is a two-way relationship. So we have the, that clearly on the table that there's a lot of, of turnover in HR, a lot of pressure. And I know that, that career development is still important and we're working through these priorities and trying to just get through the, you know, the current state of the, of the world. What do you recommend to HR professionals who still want to be making progress on their career development throughout all of this challenge and this personal pressure and burnout and all these things? How do we make sure we don't yeah let ourselves down or or forget about ourselves yeah the first thing we have to do and i was struggling with if i wanted to say this on this call or not but no one's going to look out for you like i think you should just start with that general sense is that as the, as the hr person you have to be the one looking out for yourself if you work for a great founder or ceo they might pick up their heads to ask how you are but most likely you're taking care of them too so I don't want us to have this kind of view of, of who's going to be out there taking care of me. And I actually think we'll do better once we realize that we're responsible for taking care of ourselves first, Kara. So what is the system that we're going to deploy to do that, to ensure that we're taking care of ourselves first? So like for me personally, I know that if I do yoga one day a week, it doesn't have to be five, just one day a week. I know that if I can, you know, make sure I get out and like have a connection with nature one time a day, I do better with that. And these are things that sound little, but if I build into the cadence of my habits, make a big difference for me. I also know that I need to eat. I oftentimes give, I give up food and I think it's not a big deal, but getting hangry is real. And so I need to make time to have the food that I know is good for my system, make time to eat it and like really just make sure I'm nourished throughout the day because remote work, like on those Zoom days, it just seems to fade away. That work-life blur is real. And then you've gone 12 hours and you've had four coffees and like two LaCroix and it's like, what have I done today? And so it's important that we we center ourselves around the things we know make our system operate. So I'd love for you to take out of this, what is your operating system and what do you need to put into it or do to it with your environment to make it thrive? And don't count on anyone else to take care of you outside of maybe this group. And I'd love to figure out as a follow-up to this, what we can do for each other and how we can encourage each other. So I have people outside of my bamboo life that understand what I've committed to, and they ask me how it's going. And that makes a big difference for me. They're like, did you make yoga this week? Did you go outside five times each, you know, once a day for five days in a row, if you were working on Zoom for five days in a row? So can we create that type of support system here within this webinar? That would be a dream for me, Takara. Yeah, we definitely are hoping to to support you guys um, with creating this space, at least one little facet of it, but there's definitely more. And yeah, that, that uh, looking out for yourself. I mean, I think that it really empowers us to show up better on our teams too. And when people can trust us that we are advocating for our own needs and taking care of our food, water, shelter, if you will, then we are 
more trustworthy to participate in a in an authentic way. And I think that's what a lot of our teams really need from us. I love this. Rosemary said on this, you know, as each our individuals, we are in the in-betweeners. Meditating is not only for our employees and candidates leadership team, but everyone else in between. And I would just like, I love this, Dakara, because if we aren't the consumers of our own programs, we aren't any good about it. Right. And oftentimes we build these things and we push it out, but we don't do it ourselves. We have our own, as it as the, I always kind of want to call it the warrior of wellness. Is that what we're doing this month in June? Yeah. I mm-hmm. love it. I just can't get it to roll off my tongue, but that's our water bottles. It has connected, which is our theme for the year. And then we take pictures when we're all, yes, cheers. When we're drinking our water and we post it into a group Slack channel, just knowing that water consumption helps our bodies and it's little things. So I'm really pushing our team. What can we do? I've been scheduling yoga here at the office to get in my one day week. And you know, what can we do that is part of what we're asking our team members to do? If you're going to push headspace as a benefit, are you using headspace yourself? You know, what are, what are those things that we're self-consuming? Yeah. Awesome. And I love just the idea of making sure it's part of the conversation often. So, um, cause it's not always an internal practice and, and we have to use external resources to support ourselves. Like you said, you know, maybe your boss isn't going to be the one who's going to check if you do yoga every week, but, uh, as often as you maybe like chime into a meeting and be like, you know, what, I just feel good. I did my yoga today. You can help remember other, remind other people that it's an ongoing effort that you're making it, that you wouldn't be showing up the way you are if you weren't doing it. So it's expected and supported for them to make time and, and priorities around that as well. Um, how about professional development and what what might be offered and what, from the business um, side of things for continuing to develop further in the career or um, other ideas that recommendations that you would have that they can take on um, independently or advocate for to make sure that their careers, you know, we're, we're talking about taking care of your, yourself, your, your human suit and, and being able to come, you know, be just be present and be able to come to work to handle this, uh, onslaught of, of uncertainty and, uh, challenges. So we're talking about being physically resilient and mentally resilient, but what about, yeah, being a career driven still and productive in that, in that sense of the, the bigger picture. Cause I feel like our microcosm right now is just sucking us in, but how do we stay on top of our, our big goals? This is a great question Dakara. So I, this is another one of the programs we ship out, right? Is our own is learning and development. What are we doing for learning and team member development? And Dakara is saying, what are we doing for our own learning and development as HR professionals? I'm a big fan. The best learning and development I've had comes from on-the-job training. There's no course, there's no book I can read that replicates the, the practicality of what I like to call on the on the field learning. So you're right in the middle of it. And what that looks like, so I just spent the last three hours talking about how do we help attainment and lower attrition of our sales team. And it's being right in the center of the conversations happening in the business right now. And so it's learning about what drives attainment for the sales team, what doesn't drive attainment, what's happening with our customer base, what's happening with the macroeconomic situation, being able to pinpoint the problem. And the way you do that is you come with your business hat on. 
you can't sit in those meetings and talk about it from an HR seat all the time. They'll kick you out. So how do you understand the business? Are you sitting in the operational meetings or the business meetings like I love in the Hamilton? Like, are you in the room where it happens? You got to get in the room where it happens. And when you do that, then you're going to learn so much about what's happening and how your team can show up better or different for it. And look, there's no playbook. You can't go look. And I remember I, I had this great privilege of sitting in Jim Collins's office in Boulder. And I went to him with a bunch of things. And I was like, you've worked with all the best leaders, you know, in the world. And I said, I just need the playbook for this. And he looked at me and he was like, Anita, it's a homebrew. You got to make it yourself. You got to look at your company's mission. You have to look at your company's values. You have to look at the customer that you're serving. And from that place, you build something that works for the business. And ever since then, it completely evolved my, my perception on things of, of being in the room where it happens and say, how does this then apply to my people practices, knowing I'm only doing, I'm only moving three big rocks. Like the other oldie but goodie I'm a big fan of is that original Stephen Covey video where he has the big rocks and the pebbles. And I feel like as HR leaders, we're just filling our bucket with pebbles, but we miss the giant big rocks. So name the three big rocks that you're going to move, put those in first. They get calendar time first. They get meeting time first. That's why I'm, I'm also rigorous about telling people about my prioritization. And then I use that as my own learning and development feed. Now, there's a lot of things I don't know. And so I do have a tight network of individuals that I call and I say, hey, I've never built this before, or I'm not sure how I want to do this now. Can you brainstorm with me on how that would work? And that's my learning and development course, because I need somebody that understands the size of my company, the stage of my company, me, where I'm at, our culture, and no book or course is customized enough for me. So I would focus, that's why these webinars are so good. Connect with the people in these webinars, find people that are in a similar size and stage company that you are and call them and say, how would you do this? And that's the intention of what Bamboo wants to be to help you all be the hero of your organization is you have a place that you can rely on for ideas that generate your own toolkit, not a playbook. And so to me, that that is learning and development. That's what I found most useful in my career. I have read great books and I have seen great speakers, but it only speaks to you if it's solving a current pain that you have. Otherwise, it's just like good information. So, um, you know, balance it out. All books won't solve all problems and all, you know, face-to-face conversations won't solve it either. It's a combination of the two, Takara, I think is is my recipe, my homebrew. Your homebrew. I love that. It, that really speaks to me, Anita. I know as someone who is, you know, I like to, to be a, uh, ambitious in my career and my personal life. And I've read a lot of, of self-help books, if you will. And something I started to recognize was that I think the people writing the books, there are nuances and tacit things in, in their systems that they don't even know how to share. Um, so you're never going to get the whole picture. I think uh, one of the things that I, I came across that uh, I think is important to for me to understand is that if I really want to understand how someone does something. Um, and I need to see like their decision-making processes and how they wake up in the morning and you know, what, what they choose to prioritize. What are those three big rocks they're choosing? And I, and I think that mentorship is one of the few ways that you really get that view. And so it really is something that I, I think is an important part of your homebrew, not just, yeah, reading about it elsewhere. So getting 
actually engaged with someone who can relate is important. And there's not a one size fits all, like you said, that's, I think that's great advice. And you're, and you remind me now, um, you know, we talk, we've been talking about, cause we've all needed it about how do we take care of our employees with the retention needs that we have? How do we take care of ourselves and stay resilient? But taking care of the business is, 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 is our job. We actually, you know, uh, there's always that age old, like, does HR serve the business or save, serve the employees who, who we serve? And at the end of the day, like, we still need to serve the business needs. So I'm wondering, you know, as we're going through this, um, you know, uncertain times and potential layoffs or hiring freezes and stuff. And lots of, you know, I've heard stories of companies hiring a lot of talent acquisition and then suddenly not hiring a lot. So it's a pretty scary time, even for the HR professional themselves, as far as maintaining, uh, you know, some safety of, of having clear contribution to the business. What can, what can our HR professionals be doing, Anita, that will build a strong you know, uh, relationships within the company with like the CEO and the executive team and make sure that they're, um, being seen as, you know, an, an integral person to be at the table and fostering those relationships and making sure they're, they're seen as a business contributor. Yeah. So a few things that you said to Kara, I'd love, I'd love to share back first to Derek. We love Marty Kagan here at Bamboo HR, a big uh, product influencer for us. So love that. That's a great set of books for HR professionals to read, especially if you're in SaaS tech um, and how product is built. So just wanted to second that. Um, the other thing too, Takara, that you said is do HR professionals serve the business of the team member? I don't think we serve either. We serve the mission. We're mission first. So we make decisions around making the mission a reality, around driving performance to the mission. We're agnostic to the company and we're agnostic to the team member. It's got to be mission driven. So happy to talk more about that. But I think if we get stuck on one side or the other, we actually aren't serving the mission at hand. And if your company doesn't have a mission that you can articulate, ours is to set people free to do great work then um, that would be the first thing I would tell you to go build with your founder and your leadership team, because that's my gauge. So it's the what we're going to go do. We're going to set people free to go do great work at Bamboo. How we do it is through our values. And then it becomes very um, managed and measured through those two gates. So, um, so that's what I would do there. And, and with that, that foundation, then I think we can go forward and, and on all the different things to car that, that you were mentioning kind of in that question, but I just, I just wanted to get that out there. No, my quick commercial mentorship is I hear this all the time. Anita, I want a mentor. I'm like, great. What do you want to be mentored on? I don't know. I just heard I needed a mentor, right? Because we all, we all agree that mentorship can be a powerful tool. And if you don't know what kind of mentor you want, you won't find a great mentor. So this is goes back to part of your own self-care of like, what is it that you want to learn? Why is career growth important to you? Do you want career growth of like, I want to run a function? Do you want to be a subject matter expert in recruiting or compensation? What actually do you want? And from that place, we can go find books and courses and mentors and all of the things that will get you there. And so be really specific on what you want before you just start talking to people. And, you know, I, I get messages is like, will you mentor me? It's like, sure, but what, what do you want mentorship on? And so I just, I just want to really harken back that be intentional about what you want to create before you go, um, go out to find one. And as a note to that, Anita, too, um, that's great advice 
to know what it is you want to be mentored on and, and obviously ask the right person and know that that's something that they have to offer because we all have their different strengths. But um, it reminded me that as as I've developed in this career and uh, coming coming into marketing, like I actually spent 10 years on a veterinary assistant career and I've uh, and then transitioned. So I have this new career and I I don't know who knows what I need to know yet. So every manager uh, and every <laughs> every level of management that I ever interact with and get to talk to, I like to tell them what I'm excited about. And what I think, you know, would be really cool to do for this organization or uh, I and even in my interview. And there are things that when I got hired were not happening here and uh, were not an option. But I mentioned them in my interview and I've I've had them those things come back to me from leaders saying, hey, we're kind of we're actually like ready to start looking at this. And you mentioned this and we think that, you know, would we want to have you involved in that? Are you still interested? And so um, even just putting it out there. I'm starting to learn, you know, who I can work with and and who's who else gets pulled into those projects. And that introduces me to who I can say, oh my gosh, you know what, you're leading this up, this thing that I was interested in. And so now I know you're a great person to ask and um, how can I get my hands in this with you? So that's my experience with uh, not knowing who, who to ask for mentorship, but trying to get really clear about what it is you want mentorship on and sharing that message so that people know when they can direct you to, to an opportunity. One of the ways to help that direction to Cara that you're speaking to is to be mentored by those that are your customer, right? And HR, we have two big customers and it's usually sales and it's product and technology, right? Those are like our biggest bases that we're hiring into. So I look for mentorship from leaders that are running those big teams because they are like really my end customer. And so I want to understand how they think about the business, how they think about the customer, how they think about the product, how they, one of the things I love to do is sit with an engineering leader and say, tell me how you build our product or sit on customer calls and say, how do, how do we, how do we service the customer? What are our biggest issues that we're struggling with and support right now? And so that is, again, it's like in your house, you don't have to go outside of your house for mentorship and you can get it from inside the business. And I think there's a lot, you know, it's been one of my dreams is to build like an internal rotational system where we can formalize. We actually have done this at a few places I've been before, but you have your own internal mentorship program and then you rotate mentors within the business. You still have to have an intention around it. But if you can look at it from that way and use this own like a stable of talent that you have right here is so beneficial. That is such a cool concept. And I signed me up. <laughs> so, uh, okay, great. So not in my big three prioritization right now, but it'll be coming soon. Fair enough. No, I, I won't, uh, I'll, I'll be patient, <laughs> but Hey, if I can, you know, let me know who I can mentor. I'll pay it forward. I promise. And, I love it. I love it. Um, so, okay. We got the mentorship, um, little pin out, out of the way. And so we're, we were trying to move towards, um, being involved in the business initiatives, having good relationships there, making sure that you're seen as a critical part of, of business planning. And let's go back to that, that way. Yeah. I think what I hear you saying is really focusing on being in the conversation where the business strategy is happening. Under like if you uh, one of the things one of my mentors did early on is he said, get your investor pitch deck and present it to me. That's a great learning and development process, too. Like the only way that you can hire, train and fire to the mission 
is to understand the investor pitch. So if any of your companies have been raising money or even have gone to secure an SBA loan or anything like that, can you do the pitch? Um, one of the things I was just working, we're, we're going to start um, moving into a business and HR business partner concept here at Bamboo. And I was sharing, there, you know, there's a lot of confusion around what HR business partners do. And I said, if you are a business partner to the head of sales, you could sit in and speak about the business and the customer like your head of sales first, right? You know, the ins and outs of customer acquisition, you know, the ins and outs of the product, you know, the ins and outs of the compensation plan, you understand the different levels and how you hire into sales. And from that place, you can be a true business partner. Because that's what you are first. You may have this discipline called HR, and you're there to really coach and advise to grow and build performance in the in, in the business. So those those are the kind of ways that you know we're looking to build and have our teams come at it here at Takara. That I think uh, most HR teams in general, or most HR individuals, miss. And so it comes from a very myopic view, and then it's seen as not strategic. The point is usually accurate. Right. What I hear, like when I get um, any consulting work I've done and I've listened to the C-suite and I've or the CEO and I've listened to the HR person, the HR person is right. And so is the founder. They're missing the connection because they're not speaking the same language. Right? The founder is always going to speak in the language of the strategy and the customer. The HR person, it's our job to bridge that gap and pull it out and say, this is how it affects compensation or recruiting. But they don't care about that first. They want to understand that you understand the core problem they're going after. Um, and so that's where, like, especially if I look at what's happening in the market right now around hiring and um, HR people are in demand. Everybody wants to hire you. But part of it is finding a real partner that hears the language in which you're speaking and can get get like in a partnership to execution for the business. And that's that's the art and what we all have to do as HR professionals. The founder won't do it for us. Wow, that is such a differentiation to seek as an HR professional. And really, I, I mean, I can I can only imagine that having, you know, that kind of angle in any interview or on your LinkedIn of knowing that you're capable of bringing that to the table is going to award you some pretty big opportunities. So that's awesome. You can tell right away in the interview questions when I talk to HR people and I interview them right away, I can tell where they are on the spectrum. You know, it's it's all in how the question is answered. And this is, I think, a big, a big pivot point that if we want to be seen, like right now we're we're in a great place because COVID and and the actual environment has created value in our jobs. If we want that value to continue to maintain, this is this is the next step, I think, that we have to like take on a level of business understanding that we haven't been forced to do before. Yeah. Wow. That feels like a really big like pivot in um, HR thought leadership for sure that I've, I I would think that people would be hungry for advice and help on what like resources and tools that they can get get to do be better at that and if I'm you know if I, if anyone in the chat is like hey actually no that's not what I need please let us know we want to talk about what's important to you we're not here to hear our own voices we want to be engaged with you but yeah, is there um, tools or resources that you recommend for how we can be better at that and um, make that e maybe even easier to show up and participate in that way, Anita? 
Yeah, I think it comes back to the topic of our time together, which is how are we showing care for ourselves? So there's this like we take care of ourselves in a way where we show up consistently for the business. So a few things, right? We're on time. We're prepared. We have an agenda. We know the outcome of our time together. If we're really good, we're sending our agenda in advance to our leadership team. And we're saying, this is what I want to achieve in the time together. This is the problem I think that we're solving. Do you see it the same way? Like you have your shit together as an HR leader, right? You're not a hot mess and everything. And so you're, you're showing up and you're ready to play and everything. And that comes from how you're taking care of yourself. Are you well rested? Are you well fed? Did you, you know, have preparation time in your day? How do you schedule your day? Like I don't do meetings before nine. And so it gives me my morning to look at my day, look at my next day. I also love to hold time at the end of every day to say, what am I doing tomorrow? And am I prepared and ready to be super on it for the next day? And so it's how you kind of manage and measure yourself, which is a function of your own self-care. And then from that point, you can kind of build into this rhythm where you're providing this additional value. But if you don't start there, you'll never get to the kind of this end utopia Takara that I described. So I'd be curious, like how, how well we're organized. And the other piece of feedback I get from founders all the time is like, do you know um, you know, how many recruiters you need to hire to hire enough salespeople in the business, right? Are you running your own team like a sales team would run or a product team would run? So that goes back to the ruthless prioritization, right? Are you able to say yes to the key things? Are you able to say no to all the rest? Are you able to communicate and articulate what you're going after and what you're not? right? Are you able to show that you can execute on those things? Are you able to show that you um, thoughtfully uh, like apply resources in a way that works for the business, right? Um, so, you know, I was just, I was just trying to think of some good examples. You know, I've worked in teams before where I'm like, until you can show me these things, I'm not going to give additional headcount into this. Like write the business case. What would I have to believe to be true to resource this area or resource this project? And sometimes I think we as HR leaders look and we say everybody else has to do that but us. Like, do you make all your other leaders do QBRs, like quarterly business reviews or monthly business reviews? And do you participate in that? And do you have meaningful KPIs? And do you report out on hires when the business needs them and attrition rates and retention rates and all the same KPIs that the business has. So to me, Takara, that's like the entry card into that next level that we were we were describing. It sounds to me like you're saying, Anita, that we have to uh, walk the walk and not just yes. talk the talk, that we have, to, we have to set the example and hold ourselves to high standards. And that's not easy, but I think, uh, you know, it's, it's rewarding and it definitely will it reinforce itself. I'd like to know in the chat, um, what kind of, what of those like little hacks or personal processes do you use that make sure that you have your ducks in a row? I'm just reading this comment from Becca. Unfortunately, my old job did not see the value in me knowing a lot about our customers. We did a lot of in-home care for clients with developmental disabilities. I could have walked in and, and took care of them if I needed to at the moment. I took a lot of pride in knowing that when I realized they did not take value, I struggled with it. I do see the value in what you're saying. So, Beck, I think this is true. You have to tie it together 
which is part of it. Like you can understand it, but how do you pull the thread all the way through to what it means to the HR practices? So understanding is one thing and then full cycle, um, like application is part of it. So it'd be interesting to dive in and do more. Um, and part of it is, is knowing your customer, like, and what they hired you for, right? What did they hire you for? You know, cause if they hired you to be a recruiter, but they put it on under the shell of HR generalist, and they're just asking you about recruiting, you have to know that, right? You still have to know the business to recruit, but I was interviewing a comp analyst. And so the first question I asked the comp analyst, he was working at another SaaS tech company. And I said, how, I said, tell me how the company you're at right now, builds your product. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I said, how do you build product? And he's like, I don't, I don't understand. I said, how does your company build the product they actually ship to customers? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, I don't know how you price a job without knowing. Like that's, that's a fundamental piece to our whole team member value proposition is that you get paid fairly and consistently relative to the pay position you have in market. How do you not know how you build product? You can't price a job without it. And so there is a piece to understanding the business or the job roles, especially if you're going to go hire for them, you have to understand how to talk to really seasoned engineers, to principal engineers. You have to understand what they see valuable, how, how they work, what kind of team formation they like, how they like to deliver on product. So I think it's all tied back. It's just what context you put it into, Becca, that creates that connection. Be uh, Becca, I, I value what you what you shared. I worked in developmentally disabled group homes and I know um, how touching and heartfelt like it is to be someone who who knows that field and ends up in HR. Like I get, I, I think I get who you are as a person uh, quite a bit from that share. And I, I know that it's hard when other people don't see that connection. And I'm glad that you're asking because it is, it is important and it does make a big difference at the end of the day. Um, Leah or Leah, maybe, sorry, but um, you shared that you have this screen break um, with your lunch and you make sure you go on a walk and get outside and that your company also does no meeting Thursdays and that you used to load those days up on external meetings. And I wanted to point to that because I know how easy it is to take advantage of what's supposed to give you yourself a break as like um, hiding that you are uh, actually working harder and <laughs> um, cheating yourself from that break. Uh, like it's like, oh, no one expects anything of me right now. So I can like make bonus effort somehow I've got like I've had to work with that for myself that um that a, a company holiday is not a catch-up day <laughs> for me right um but we I yeah we're ready to to answer your questions if anyone has any to share uh anything that you want to come on and and talk about or anything we've said today that you know we haven't maybe scratched your itch about exactly what you know you want to know about this let's let's get into it Natalie, we'd love to hear at the beginning of August how no meeting, internal meetings on Tuesdays works for you. So come back August 1st and let us know. Um, hello. I'm from Mexico, so my accent is a, real, a little bit strong. So I hope my, I get myself like understood by everyone. But um, Sometimes we receive some comments from other leaders in the company that you're lacking of passion or motivation or stuff like that. And they um, ask it in a good way, 
but what is the best practices for the ones who are receiving these comments? Because, for example, I have received this comment and another colleague has received this comment and we have a lot of bunch of things going on and we try to complete everything, but it's kind of hard to know what they're expecting. We ask, but still it's like, you are lacking of that uh, punch or that motivation or that passion. So I don't know if I'm making myself clear. Yeah, what I, what I hear you saying is they're expecting you to show up a way that's different than you are. And anytime somebody gives me that feedback, I'm like, what would that look like? Like specifically in the moment, I ask them to coach me. So if I'm presenting something to them on employee engagement, and I would say, was that, did I exhibit the passion or excitement that you were looking for? And if not, what specifically would I've done differently? Because a lot of times what people say, you'll hear me say this a lot, what they say and what they mean is very different. So I always love Isabel to ask more questions of like, what would it look like for you? What exactly would you want me to do? And get them to really name and articulate what they're seeking from you. And then you can find out more. But those broad, big, it's kind of like always and never statements. I discount by like 50x um, just because it seems dramatic to me. So what are you really wanting me to do different? And then I usually take it upon myself is to ask that person more often after I complete a project or a meeting or a session with somebody to say, what would you like to see better different from me in the next one that I do? So you're just really asking for it. And then you can kind of start to look for patterns and things um would be would be my advice it's hard for me to solve without that person here to really get into their brain around what they're looking for is that useful thanks Isabel yeah I think also to add to that Anita is that receiving criticism and feedback is something that we all have to work on and is really important and we may you know and try to do that in a way where we just like have no pushback <clears throat> so you might just be like okay I hear you Thank you. And just because you're trying to be good at receiving um, critique and criticism and, and feedback, right? But actually being able to say, oh, that's so interesting. Can you tell me more about that? Tell me more about how that would look, I think is really the next level of receiving feedback and actually being able to implement and engage with it. So I hope that helps too. Thanks, Isabel. And Anita, I know, okay, I, we'd love for this to like turn into a little bit more of a community engagement as we, as we grow and as you get comfortable with us and as you kind of see what we're here doing, but uh, our time is running out today. Anita, what actionable items do you want to leave with our guests today and our community? Yes. First, fill your bucket up for you first. You can't, I think it was in this chat. It was also on my LinkedIn post from a friend of mine in Australia. You can't give to others if you don't give to yourself first. So make a recipe of self-care for you and find a friend, phone a friend that you can trust that you can talk to about your progress in it. So that's, that's kind of job one. And know that other people in your role are struggling. So whether it's on LinkedIn engagement or just, just phone one of those peers and say, how are you doing today? Because it seems like we're all going through our own personal and professional struggles with the current environment. And that's just what's happening out there. So let's, let's be there for each other. You know, second, use your business as your own vehicle for professional development. 
Don't feel like you've got to go outside and load yourself up on a bunch of different things or hold yourself to a quota of book reading and audible credits, right? Do do what's in your business, get those closest to you to help you. And if you need somebody outside, if the capability is not resonant and one degree from you, create a job description for a mentor and send it to us and we'll help you find that great mentor that can help you. Third is run HR business like a business in the business. Does that make sense? Like if you're expecting your sales and marketing teams to do things that you aren't doing around KPIs and OKRs, I mean, pick your acronym. What is it when you have a bunch of letters together? Um, Like KPI, OKR. Yeah, pick one of those things and make sure you're doing it for yourself like the business is doing it for themselves. And most importantly, just take just take care of you and pull yourself into a good format where you can give. So we kind of talked about that, like, you know, be ready to play every day, be ready to get on the field, make sure you give yourself enough prep time at morning and at night to to get all of your ducks in a row so you can show up and, and be a great demonstration of your mission and values. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bamboo HR. Visit us at bambooHR.com slash HR dash unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambi HR sets people free to do great work. 